Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. Do you have something you want to tell our listeners? Oh, shoot, I forgot, we, uh, I forgot about the oh, other one. I thought you had it called up there. <laughs> no, I, well, I forget that we uh, that we do it uh, towards the top there. Yeah, so this uh, movie journal is brought to you by Miniflix, the premier streaming site for award-winning short films. Miniflix acquires short films that have premiered at Cannes, Sundance, uh, Toronto, and many other places, meaning that you can see great short films available nowhere else online. Miniflix also offers several Oscar-nominated Oscar and Oscar-winning short films unavailable on on typical free video platforms. So uh, today they wanted me to talk about a film called uh, Madame Black, which was really int- which uh, sounded delightful. It follows the sad life of Marcus, a down-on-his-luck photographer whose day only gets worse when he accidentally runs over a black cat. In another cruel twist of fate, the cat's owner turns out to be a young girl who notices Marcus trying to speed away. Marcus is forced to invent a story about the cat's leaving home for vacation, but the girl won't let him go without providing a week's worth of pictures chronicling the cat's supposed travels. Uh, equ- <laughs> yeah. Get, uh, neat, right? Yeah. Equal parts humorous and heartwarming. Uh, Madame Black was selected for over 100, uh, 150 festivals and was the winner of the Audience Award at the uh, uh, 2016 Clermont-Ferrand International Short Film Festival. I don't know if that's how you say that. Sorry about that. But yeah, so that sounds that sounds delightful. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to check that out. Uh, so new films are being added each month, and you can watch these incredible award-winning short films anytime, anywhere, on any streaming device uh, for only $3.99 a month. Or as a Battleship Pretension listener, you can get... Get a free 30-day trial of commercial-free, award-winning short films. Just go to the page for this week's Movie Journal episode and click on the Miniflix banner at the bottom to redeem the special offer. All right, let's start talking about movies. I've only got three, and you've only got three. All right. Um, my list is short for a number of, uh, of reasons. I did watch more movies, but... Um, I don't need to talk about the Lost Boys. Um, I've seen the Lost Boys before. <laughs> sure, I went to see it. The, I went to see it at the cemetery. Oh, okay. The outdoor screening at the cemetery was fun, but I don't feel like that it, that counts as like an actual mo- movie viewing. Like, especially I don't sure. know. When was the last? Have you? When was the last time you went to? Have you ever been to the Hollywood Forever cemetery screenings? I haven't. I've been to a number of outdoor screenings, but not there. The cemetery has become a big ordeal. I'm where sure. because. You know, doors open at seven fifteen, but we got in line at five fifteen. Mm. Even though we had tickets, but it's in order to get a good spot. So then you end up sort of like tailgating in the line in front of the cemetery. Yeah. So you're like hanging out on your like chairs or whatever, um, for the very very low chairs. Um, uh, and then you go in, and then so even then it's seven fifteen. It doesn't get dark for more than an hour. Right. You know. Uh, so you sit there some more and you, uh, you know, open your cooler with your cheese and crackers. And, mm-hmm. um, and we went with a, a friend, uh, Frank, Frank, feel my wrath, McGrath, who's mm-hmm. a old pro actually has like a fold up table. So like we had a whole oh, picnic, wow. uh, table type of thing there. Uh, and so the, mo- uh, what I'm, the point is that the movie is just like the capper at the end of the evening. Sure. It's really just hang out with your friends outside and drink wine or beer. Yes, and, that's true. And snack. Uh, uh Jen and, and I have gone to the, what is it? What uh, eat watch no oh eat see here eat see here yeah so you know they do those all over yeah and the big thing there is like you eat b- wonderful awful food from uh-huh. food trucks yeah, and then you sit with your truck. friends and yeah. talk and then you're right yeah <laughs> like the movie starts like what yeah. oh yeah I forgot so yeah, yeah the, I know uh, what you mean the one eat see here I did was at the 
um, the Gene Autry Museum, which is one of my favorite museums uh, in Los Angeles. Never been there. Um, more on Gene Autry later, by the way. Oh. Um, and we saw we watched Blazing Saddles. Uh, mm-hmm. And the good thing about I don't know if all the Eats to Hear ones are, but the, at least the Autry, they're dog friendly, which the Hollywood Forever Cemetery yes. is technically not. But you'll notice some small dogs that obviously came in purses or whatever. Sure. Um, I'm not complaining. I like small little cute dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so yeah, it, Eats to Hear is like it's mostly like the, the food trucks are a big part of the draw. So you like, get your food, you know. And then so then we watch, start watching Blazing, Blazing Saddles halfway through the food trucks have closed up. Yeah. They've packed up. They all leave at the same time. All these engines start at the same oh, time. Sure. Every dog there just like, you couldn't hear blazing saddles for a good two minutes. Cause it was just dogs barking at the, at the trucks as they started up. Uh, and then we got almost into the, the movie and it started raining and they stopped the movie. Uh, Is it agreed upon? Like do all like, do all the trucks have to leave at the same time? It must be because they really did all like, yeah, like a procession. Like they, cause if started you decide you want to wait, and, and just be there when the movie ends. Like, I feel like you would do great business, but I don't know. Well, yeah, uh, maybe anyway, we've got, we've gotten so far off track. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I only have, so I didn't, I'm not counting lost boys. Um, which I can't say the name lost boys. I think it is reservoir dogs, by yeah. the way, I'm trying to watch the lost boys, lost boys. Um, when his accent comes through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also I'm watching, I'm counting one that's two movies actually as one movie. Cause it's, we'll see. Uh, and then I was supposed to see, I was telling you this yesterday. I was supposed to go to a, uh, not, it was a festival screening. I was invited. I'm not, I, I'm not credentialed fest credentialed press for this festival, but I got invited to this screening as sort of a mm. press screening. Cause the movie has a release date, uh, in a month or two or whatever. Um, and they were like, yeah, you can come to the festival screening. So I was like, great. So I got a cool location in Lincoln Heights. I've never been to, uh, the screening was supposed to start at seven. They were having some sort of def- technical difficulties at seven fifty. They hadn't even let us into the, room much less told us so i left and i feel bad about it yeah uh but i did then ask the pr person for a screening link which i think i'm gonna get so uh (laughs) uh, i got an email to a press screening for that movie today oh okay which leads me to believe that they added a screening for critics uh in la maybe because of uh, after monday yeah yeah, after monday uh anyway so that's why it's shorter so let's just get started with the with the movies Uh, the first one i watched which is you know released as two movies and available as two movies on streaming services and stuff uh but i'm counting it as one uh it's lars von trier's nymphomaniac volumes one and two it's clearly intended as one movie but it's just it's four hours long and apparently the director's cut is like over five hours long which i don't know if that's available but i think that's the i think that's the one that played it can i guess which is like an all day long thing um uh what prompted you to want to watch it at this point i, I have lists Just, okay i, don't, I right, can't right, get into it right um because it'll make me seem like a crazy person okay, yeah um uh yeah it's stupider than whatever you're imagining i just have lists <laughs> anyway um but i uh, i like I tend to like Lars Ventures movies. Um, this one, I think the, it eventually gets to some interesting stuff. Um, but I think the provocateur that's always a part of him really won out here. And that seems Mm. like, uh, the main thing is that it's about, um, this woman who her entire life from girlhood to, uh, the present day, um, is telling the story of her life to, uh, she's played by Charlie Gainsbourg in the in the present day. She's telling the story of her life to Stellan Skarsgård, who mm-hmm. has found her beaten and bloodied in an alley and taken her home to uh, give her some tea. And so the entire four hours of the movie is 
the framing device is her telling the story. Yeah. Um, about her life fully, uh, embracing her love of sex. Mm. Um, and I think the main, the main, I, I know the main question of the movie is whether or not she's a bad person. She starts out thinking she's a bad person mm-hmm. and Stellan Skarsgård's character who is, um, an intellectual and also eventually we realize, I guess, minor spoiler, a virgin, hmm. um, doesn't, is, is sort of looking at her entirely objectively and saying, I don't see where you're a bad person. Like, um, cause the question is, is she a bad person because she likes sex so much? Obviously not. Right. Um, is she a bad person because she doesn't need to feel in, be in love to have sex? I don't think so. Uh, but then it starts to get like, well, is she a bad person because maybe she doesn't even really respect the men that she's, uh, sleeping with or eventually women. Um, although I guess there's implication that she might've had more respect for the woman in her life. Hmm. Um, but even then it only goes so far with her. She's kind of a compassionless person. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the, the question is sort of drawing the line on um, mores and then actual, you know, spiritual morality, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the things that would superficially get her earn her scorn aren't the things that are, that are bad, but that doesn't mean she's not a bad person. <laughs> she sure. might actually be. But then I think also, Lars von Trier, just maybe knowing too much about him, I think he also sees a lot of himself in her and in her uh, unapologetic unapologeticness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that kind of a um, sometimes that can be an off putting. Sure. I think, um, yeah, I think sometimes we like a lot of times we celebrate like not giving a fuck or whatever, yeah. but it's like giving a fuck kind of makes civilization work in a lot of ways. Yeah. Maybe we should um, give a few more fucks these days. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded of a dead Kennedy's lyric. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people don't take no shit. Maybe if they did, they'd have, have a bla- have, have a brain left. I fucked hmm. it up. Um, uh, anyway, so I, I, I found myself like, I think he's a really talented filmmaker. And so the four hours, it, it didn't feel like a slog, even though sure. it was four hours. I mean, I watched it, um, I watched it as two separate movies, so two separate nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have, uh, it doesn't have a resolution in the first part, but it does end on a, a cliffhanger. Okay. Um, which is, I guess, fortunate because I don't think Lars von ever meant it as two movies. I think right. it just sort of became a reality of this thing's over four hours long, maybe five and a half hours, I guess, in his director's cut. Um, uh, and I forgot where I was going with that. So yeah, yeah, he, um, he's a, he's a good filmmaker. Um, but I didn't find the material as compelling as say melancholia, which is probably still my favorite large Montreal sure. film or breaking the waves, which is definitely up there too. Let me ask you this given the content and then what it seems to be exploring, neither of us were big fans of the film shame. Correct. Yeah. Um, which is about sex addiction, which is essentially, you know, if somebody's a nymphomaniac, they're basically addicted to sex and don't maybe take a great deal of joy in it. Um, compare it to that. This seems like certainly a more raw film, uh, than that. And maybe a bit more uncompromising. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like shame is a movie that's less about, sex addiction than it is about camera setups and like framing like sure um uh, i mean the perfect metaphor for that movie shame is that he like goes out to appear 
to cry. Like, just because this, this seems yeah. like a cinematic place for him to have a breakdown. Right, right. <laughs> you know, a mile and a half from anywhere else. He's like, I'm feeling really sad in my apartment, but I've been seeing a lot of that lately. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, don't get me started on shame. I, the movie really drives me crazy. And yeah. I didn't like, uh, this is less about, it's less about subject material because I didn't like 12 Years a Slave very much either. Right. So maybe yeah. I just don't like Steve McQueen. I never saw Hunger. Nor did I. Um, but I mean, Lars von Trier for all his, um, his boldness or whatever, his, his desire to, um, to, to get into your skin. There's definitely like, you know, this is, this is a movie that is definitely unrated because, Mm -hmm. uh, you just, you don't see things like you you don't see erections and penetration Mm -hmm. and stuff in, in movies that the MPAA ever gets to look at, right. gets, gets to look at, and this is, and apparently the uh, there are scenes where they he hired um, adult actors and then digitally put so like sure there are scenes where it looks like oh wow Shia, Shia LaBeouf is like having sex with uh, yeah. Sarah I've, Sarah Martin I think plays the young uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg and I was like oh my god uh, but I yeah I looked it up and um, that's not him it's it's his face but. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, for all of his uh, of, of his uh, joy in in uh, challenging people's, uh, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, morality. I don't know. Sure. That's not the word I'm looking for. But um, uh, I think he's actually a much more humanistic and um, instinctive filmmaker than a Steve McQueen is. I'd say that's about right. Um, and I think he, you know, he would like to stand there and be, you know, the, he would, he would like to present himself as someone who doesn't give a fuck, but I think he actually really does give a fuck about his characters. And that's maybe why the pain that they go through in something like Dogville, Mm -hmm. um, is much more upsetting to me than the pain that Michael Fassbender's character goes through in shame, because I never feel that close to the character. You've seen Antichrist, right? Uh, I've never seen Antichrist. That's the oh, one. I think I have like to watch it, it now because of the, because, um, Antichrist, Melancholia and Nymphomaniac are sort of seen as a trilogy. Okay. Um, so now I definitely have to see Antichrist. Yeah, it's, it is very good. And it's something that like, you know, while I was talking about, uh, Lars Montier recently and, we were talking about like a, a potential like mis- misanthropy in him. And it's like, I feel like it's different than somebody who ha- I don't think he hates people. Yeah. I think he is disappointed in people and wants badly to like them. Mm-hmm. But I think he sees such brokenness and, and sees like people's tendency to hurt one another as possibly a way of defending themselves. Um, and I think he he's not going to sugarcoat that. Uh, often he will play that up to uh, an intolerable degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like it's somebody who, certainly with with Antichrist, not merely are the characters grieving, but I feel like he is grieving their situation and also just grieving the nature of humanity mm-hmm. and just wishing that it were better. But he's also not opposed to reveling, but not in a good way, but like, Reveling in just the gen, you know, what is it? Uh, wallowing in their crapulence, as uh, Mr. Burns would say. <laughs> um, and uh, but it's it's a really good movie. It's not easy, of course, but it's very very good. Um, okay, 
All right. Yeah, what did you watch? Speaking of provocateurs, I okay. saw Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother oh, you. You actually are speaking of provocateurs. Yes. I thought you were going to go with something that you watched, uh, I don't know, Despicable Me or something. Like that. Oh, well, my, the next one is certainly not this. But uh, but yeah, so I had, I had heard about, I mean, you know, I'd heard a lot about Sorry to Bother You, and I was intrigued. I... I had heard that it's kind of an anti-capitalist movie. So yeah, my guard was probably up a little bit, but I, at the same time, like I'm usually pretty good at dropping that. Like once the movie starts, if it's good Mm -hmm. and while the movie is something of a mess and I think it could, it, it could be argued that it loses its narrative thread in favor of a thematic thread, which I think is acceptable. Um, I'm, I'm okay with it for the most part. Um, that said, it's it's definitely an uncompromising way to make a movie, and I think the acting is delightful, and I think it's very funny. I think Lakeith Stanfield, you know, having seen him, in my case, briefly in Atlanta, but then seeing him in stuff like Death Note and uh, Get Out, he, he is a very specific and unique, and I say both in the best possible way, mm-hmm. on-screen presence. You wouldn't think that he'd be the type that could carry a film, but I think he, but I think he can. Um, and I'm really excited to see where his career goes, but I think the the whole cast does a, a, a great job. Um, and there, you know, there are some characters that are, that kind of come in and out. They're really, I'm not sure if they would even count as full on supporting characters, but they definitely help. They, they lend, uh, they lend something to the tone of like, the film. Like Danny Glover? Like Danny Glover. Yeah. And, and so I, uh, I really liked the movie in a lot of ways. I do think that it's, uh, you and I were talking yesterday, uh, and yeah, I, we actually I, saw each other outside of the podcast. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. We went to a birthday dinner for, uh, the King of TV, Paul Goble. That's right. Not dead as it turns out. Uh, yeah, I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> I mean, might as well be, uh, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were talking yesterday about, uh, that I relate the I, I see the film very much as I see the Darren Aronofsky Darren Aronofsky movie, pardon me, Mother, uh, yeah. in that which I like more than you do, but I still don't necessarily love it. Which is like it's this raw. I'll use the word uncompromising again. Like the filmmaker is just making the movie they want to make, and maybe it'll get an audience, maybe it won't. They don't care. They're going to do what they want to do, which is kind of invigorating a lot of, in a lot of ways. You don't get that very often. Um, but they're doing it and, and in a way to, to explore something. In Aronofsky's case, he's exploring religion, and I would say Christianity and Catholicism specifically. Uh, and then in Boots Riley, he's talking about capitalism and as a firm free market capitalist who is also a Christian I think that neither of them get it 100% right but I also don't think that they're trying to have I think they're just exploring and I think they're frustrated I think that's what's coming through you know they're not trying to make a documentary they're not trying to make Mm. necessarily a think piece Uh, they're just trying to kind of get these feelings out and maybe as they do they can make more sense of them Uh, so I don't look at them as like an in-depth New York Times article, you know. Uh, so I may disagree with some of their conclusions, but who cares? I would still rather watch movies like this, sure, yeah, than any you know prescribed Hollywood thing. So, yeah, and I certainly have enjoyed watching a lot of. Um 
I don't know, like shooter or like, yeah. you know, sort of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There are plenty of right wing movies. I mean, there's obviously there's often the cases made about superheroes representing a sort of sure. right wing point of view. And everyone likes certainly the Nolan Batman um, uh, is that. Uh, yeah. And yet also, uh, Dark Knight has things that go both ways. Uh, yeah. I think the Dark Knight of the three is the one that seems most specifically to be a George W. Bush administration movie. Oh, no question about it. <laughs> you know, like every um, character there represents something. Yeah. And, and it has a, a lot to say, even though it's not, I go back and forth in that movie. I think I've come to a middle ground. I loved it when I first saw it. And then I definitely did a 180, and I was like, this is really stupid. And I've come to a middle ground of yeah. being like, no, it's really good, but it's also really stupid, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Anyway, we're not of, talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, someday we'll talk more about it, because I go back and forth on Basically, okay, whatever I wa- when I watch it now, I will view it differently, like the opposite of how I last viewed it. So last time, if I didn't like it, and I'm in a state of not liking it, then I watch again. It's like, you know what? Actually, this is pretty good. I like it a lot. Now I'm in a state of liking it. Then I'll watch again and be like, well, I mean, it's not that good. Yeah. And th- so it, it basically is that for me. But yeah. Anyway, so, so back I, to sorry to bother you. I would say I, I recommend it for the most part. Um, I Yeah. You're not going to see another movie like this this well, year. That's, <laughs> wouldn't it be weird if you did? Though? Yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, like Volcano and Dante's Peak. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. And the stuff that I would most like to talk about is something I literally cannot talk about. Uh, because yeah. it is a spoiler that given the film's marketing campaign, you will not see coming. Yeah, no, they, they definitely so. are sticking to the first 30 minutes or so of the movie and the marketing. And that's a great, yeah, because it does. I mean, my, well, the thing that's great about it and the thing that I maybe was a little turned off on by it is that it just, it just keeps ladling on new stuff. And sometimes that yeah. became, it just sort of seems like, all of Boots Riley's ideas. Like it almost makes me feel like Boots Riley was like, they might not ever let me make a movie again. It does so have to say feeling, as yeah. much stuff as I can. It's like, I got eight movies in my mind. Yeah. I can't guarantee that yeah. I'm going to make another one. So I'm going to do, I'm going to put them all together. There's even a part like that is about a whole, the, the part when, well, there's a long scene at a party, but the one part where the key stands at army hammers party mm-hmm. and people want him to rap. And that's yeah. like, that's a great scene. It, it feels scene. like it's from another movie in a way because it's about a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, it but really it's a great is. scene. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the movie is like that. Uh, so I definitely don't think it's going to, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think people should see it. You're yeah. not going to see the things like it. It's definitely got a lot to, to say. Um, and it's a fun time for, for the, for the most part. I keep, uh, again, we can't give away, spoil, uh, spoilers but i keep it's been six months since i've seen it mm-hmm. um at at sundance and i still think of have a colon smile um or whatever it is oh that yeah uh, yeah have a colon smile is such a it's like an, a really awkward wording yeah and yet it becomes like a catchphrase like a hashtag in the movie yeah and that just the fact of that is just so absurd it makes me makes me laugh i've been yeah. thinking about that for six months uh, <laughs> <laughs> It is. I mean, in a way, I, I did hear somebody compare it to Idiocracy in certain ways. It's not a science fiction movie, but it doesn't seem... It's not, to, not a science fiction movie either. Yeah. Right. Like, it certainly doesn't seem to take place in our present. It seems to be, like, in the not-too-distant future, but there's nothing particularly futuristic about it. It's just, yeah. like, a more extreme version of our present. Right, which is what satire, I guess, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, all right. Should we move on? Yeah. 
Okay, next up, I watched a... I went to... Um, so the... Uh, we have Lemley Theaters, the chain here. People, mm-hmm. don't, uh, people don't know. Um, they're mostly kind of like... I guess you would compare them maybe to like the Landmark chain, but maybe... I don't know. It's very specifically like... Or often is very specifically like indie and European, right? I've, I've always or world seen cinema, the Lemley is like the little brother of the Landmark. Like they always seem a little bit smaller and yeah. But I think I but there's more Lemleys. I mean, we only have true. one Landmark in all of Los Angeles, which is uh, I guess that's true. Crazy, yeah. Because I grew up in St. Louis at a time when there were three Landmark theaters there. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. But uh. It, so anyway, the Lemley. Chain shows, I guess, mostly art house and foreign and independent type mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but the Royal, which is one of the Lemley theaters uh, in, um, I guess it's, I guess it's in West LA, um, right by the New Art, mm-hmm. um, which I guess the New Art used to be operated by Landmark, I think. That but I don't sounds, think they are anymore. That sounds right to me, yes. Um, anyway, it's not the point. The Royal shows new sort of uh, DCP restorations of. Um, older foreign films. And so I yeah. went to see um, Jean Cocteau's Les Parents Terribles. Oh, okay. um, or I, I guess as it was initially back in 1948 or whenever it initially came to America, it was called The Storm Within, mm. uh, which is a lame title. I have to say, I think Terrible Parents um, yeah. is a better, a better title. Um, and the premise of the movie is that there's this, uh, this guy, he's 22 years old, still lives with his parents, um, which I guess was maybe less common or more common back then if you were unmarried, I guess. Sure. You, yeah. Um, and his, his, he has a very close relationship with his mother. Not quite Oedipal, but not quite not Oedipal. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, and so, nice. so he's um, a little, there's some arrested development there in, in some ways, but he's met this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, older than he is, but I mean, she's 25, he's mm-hmm. 22 and she's 25. Um, but this is a scandal. Right. Um, and she does live on her own and has sort of a sugar daddy, I guess type. And that's known in the neighborhood. And so he's in love with this girl. He wants to marry her. His parents are like, you bring shame on the family, whatever. Um, and so they, uh, he's like, why don't you come meet her? We'll go have dinner at her house. They get there and the guy's father, turns out is this woman's sugar daddy ah. which he didn't realize that it was the same woman until he yeah. got to the apartment what a delightfully french story um yeah uh, there's a line in the movie where some of the the, the the guy actually says like um well, i can't remember the exact line but it's something like you know if things like this never happened there wouldn't be plays um <laughs> which is funny because the movie is based on a play yeah um and i think that's uh to get back to it's um, very well acted by the main, the four, uh, there's five because there's also an ant. So the five main, main characters, um, they're all very good. Um, and Cocteau tries to, like, he definitely moves things or keeps things moving a lot, but it did feel like definitely fell victim to like, this was clearly a play. It right. has like three act, three very clear acts in three that are only in three different rooms. You know what I mean? Um, and so sometimes a lot of the, moving the camera around all over the place felt like him trying to make up for, uh, how stagnant the action, uh, physical action of the movie is. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I'm not eager to, to see it again. It's sort of, uh, it's, 
it's real talky, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing for me. Right. Um, but, uh, it, it does kind of feel like, uh, a sort of, uh, more European sensibility Neil Simon <laughs> in sure. some ways, uh, a lot of slamming doors, people yelling at each other through closed doors and that sort of thing. Hmm. Very Neil Simon. Yeah. All right. What's next for you? Next for me is a rewatch, but it's been a very long time since I saw it. Um, so, you know, fathom events, uh, usually working with AMC theaters, uh, will put out, uh, you know, will re-release movies in theaters for a couple of days. Uh, and so this year marks the 30th anniversary of Penny Marshall's Big, uh, and Jen was interested in seeing it, so we went to go and see it. And uh, I will say I saw both Sorry to Bother You and Big uh, at the okay. AMC uh, Promenade in Woodland Hills. And uh, when I saw... Are they a sponsor? No, but what I'm... Uh, <laughs> sorry. It's, it's an interesting theater because it's connected to a mall that is dead, but the theater itself is not. Wow. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, but uh, but to cut it but to cut itself off from the rest of the mall, they had these giant displays uh, of of movies. Like I didn't even know they create that these things existed. Like standees. Yeah, but they're huge. Oh yeah, they're like 30, 40 feet long. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And so there's there's this giant one for the movie Adrift. Um. But then there's also this little display. It's not little. It's still very large for the movie The Meg. And so they put it in the middle of the Adrift one. It's like someone chose this. Like yeah. someone somewhere is going to get really pissed that Adrift is not what they thought it was. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. Uh, but anyway, the point is, uh, I wanted to comment that. So I've been to this AMC theater a couple of times. Now, the Fathom events, they don't really show any trailers. I did see a trailer. I did when I saw sorry to bother you. You were mentioning this recently. It's been a while since I've seen a movie in an oh. AMC theater. There were like nine yeah. trailers. Yeah. Like I timed out cause I saw a late show of sorry to bother you. And I have a specific time that I like to go to bed. I did not account on, I did not account for like An extra a, short, a short film worth of trailers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, at crazy. least, I mean, sorry to bother you, is what, 100, 105 minutes? Yeah. Like, when I, what I was complaining about was when I saw Sicario 2, which is over two hours yeah. to begin with, yeah. and then you tack an extra 25, 30 minutes on at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, it's insane. It was nuts. So anyway, uh, okay, so Jen and I went to see Big, which I ha- have not seen in a very long time. I, I watched it many times uh, when I was younger, and... I have a very clear memory of not wanting to w- see it. When mm. I was a kid, and my mom being like, like running and being like, "You'll like it, mm. watch it," and then having to begrudgingly admit that I liked the movie when it was over. It's very interesting. <laughs> uh, in this theater, there were parents that brought their kids, uh, and the kids really seemed to enjoy it, which is kind of awesome. And it's it's a film that really, when you think about it, is engineered to appeal to kids and adults for completely different reasons. For a kid, yeah, I've never seen it as an adult, so I should probably revisit it. Yeah, like for a kid, it's can you imagine what it's not unlike Home Alone? Mm-hmm. It's what would it be like to live com- completely on my own? Uh, and then if you're uh, a boy, it's like, and I get to have sex. Uh-huh. How exciting! Um, but now, so how does he end up? I'm trying to remember how does he end up getting like he ends up with a really great job in this enormous yeah, apartment. Yeah, he works. Yeah, it's how does a, that happen? 
he applies to just do like data entry at a at a toy company uh-huh. and it's just data entry and his and i forgot oh, okay. this that his his like cubicle mate is uh john lovitz and so he wow. goes in and he just like starts entering stuff in and john lovitz looks over he's like hey 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 slow down you're making the rest of us look bad <laughs> and then and tom Hanks goes oh i'm sorry it's my first day and he goes i know in that very john lovitz type of way <laughs> it's delightful um and so, uh, but then he, he runs across the president of the company played by Robert Loggia at FAO Schwartz and they do that piano thing. And so, uh, he is seen as like this free spirit who has different thoughts about like the kind of toys that kids would like because, because he's a kid, because he's an actual, no, it's all, so, I'm remembering it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's a, uh, it's a very good movie. Uh, understandably the, it is memorable because of Tom Hanks. Um, it's a, it's a perfectly fine script and the whole cast is good, but like he, he needs a a level of energy, um, that he, that he does convey. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really effective. Some people might find, and I did read some reviews that found the idea that like, there is maybe some genuine, like young male wish fulfillment in the fact that he does have sex and that I've read articles since then that talk about how, like how horrendous this must be for the Elizabeth Perkins character. Like we don't see the psychological aftermath for her yeah. of having done this because she eventually realizes what, right. he, what he is. And so, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. And, uh, and there's no, Tom Hanks was already on the rise when this film came out. Cause you know, he'd done splash, he'd done bachelor party. It is totally understandable why this is the film that made him a star. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the moment you've been waiting for is here. Okay. I mentioned earlier that we'd be mentioning Gene Autry. Sure. <laughs> I watched the Gene Autry movie. I'd never seen a Gene Autry movie. Yeah, I don't think I in my life. Uh, and I watched one um, that's all of an hour and six minutes long, <laughs> or whatever, from 1936. I, I love that uh, movies used to be like that. <laughs> um, called The Big Show, in which um, Gene Autry plays a challenging dual role. Mm-hmm. He plays. Um, uh, a, a sort of um, pretentious, egotistic uh, Western movie star named Tom Ford or something like that, okay. which is funny because Tom Ford is a yeah. fashion designer. Um, and then he also plays Ford's stunt double named Gene Autry, who's a okay. uh, daring do but super sweet and loyal yeah. guy who can also really carry a tune. The movie is essentially a musical. Hmm. Um, cause that's what Gene Autry was, I guess. He was the singing yeah. cowboy. Um, and so the premise is that the Ford, the movie star was supposed to be make an appearance at the, uh, big like County fair in Texas. Mm-hmm. And the studio forgot to tell him and he went off on vacation. Uh, and so they have, Gene Autry as Gene Autry pretend to be Ford and he goes to the thing and everyone loves him and suddenly like this guy who everyone thought was a jerk um, is it's like Dave uh, yeah it's a lot like Dave but then while on vacation the real Ford hears himself quote unquote uh, but really Gene Autry singing Mm -hmm. on the radio at this fair and so he goes to put a stop to things and also the real Ford owes a bunch of money to gangsters so a bunch of money a bunch of gangsters show up and they want to kill Gene Autry so it's like a real like madcap it's a whole ton of plots and a bunch of songs stuffed into just over an hour and it's an absolute delight. The big show. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about it. Okay. Uh, The song except the songs are great and it's a ton of fun. Okay. So uh, all right. It seems every year 
when I go to the International Christian Film Festival, I go and I go and ICFF. ICFF. I I give my talk. People come up to my table and they say, "I'm right there with you on Christian film, but have you seen this one?" Uh huh. Invariably, and it's one that I'll be like, "Oh no, I I haven't. I've heard it's pretty good, you know." And so I check it out, and invariably, I'm disappointed. Okay, I shouldn't be. I should know. I know. I know better than these poor saps. <laughs> um, so I saw the Irwin brothers. I can only imagine, which actually made a surprising amount of money. There was that I as know, well. Yeah, I've heard I made like $85 million. Wow. Which is a, a really big deal. And it had like a minuscule budget. Um, it had, no. Dennis, it had uh, Dennis Quaid money. Um, so they did, you know, they did okay. And the production value is fine. It's, it's, it's a, yeah serviceable film on that front and the, and the acting is fine it's a it's 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 the story there's a guy named bart i forget his last name bart something or other who uh who wrote the song i can only imagine which is a song that i am familiar with it is a christian song uh and he uh had had kind of a, a rough life uh a an abusive father and uh, other such things and so this is the story of his life uh, and the things that led up to him writing this song. Um, the song has never been effective for me. Okay. Um, there are, in fact, there are very few cont- semi-contemporary Christian songs that have ever worked for me. Like I tend to like older stuff, um, but uh I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily like hymns either, but like stuff right. from like the thirties and forties, I tend to respond okay. pretty well to, you know, like the new stuff, like August burns red. I don't know what that is. <laughs> There's a lot of Christian metal. Oh, okay. All right. And what's funny, like one thing I like about metal blogs is that they just cover metal and they don't really care. I can and, see that. And yeah. so like I end up reading a lot yeah. about or sampling a lot of Christian, uh, metal. Some of it's good. August burns red burns it. Not my thing. It's kind of a metalcore type of thing, which is uh, uh, not for Is me. that the name of a band or a yeah. song? No, that's the band, August Burns. That's a good band name. Yeah. I kind of like it. It's a good movie name, too. But, um, but yeah, and so so already I'm not really responding to the song, but that's, that's, that's all right. Um, this thing, it's not terrible. These movies... Sometimes the act, like sometimes all of it is bad. Sometimes the acting is subpar and all that. But it's always the script. Always. It is astonishing to me mm-hmm. that these scripts are allowed to exist on this level. Um you know, don't get me wrong, Hollywood puts out bad scripts like they're, you know, Christian film does not have a monopoly on bad movies. Sure. But uh, just the way the characters talk and the way uh, exposition is handled is like this. This is so amateurish. Like I wrote a. Um, it's one of the reasons why <laughs> at the festival lately, like in the last couple of years, I've started putting my kind of hanging my shingle out as a script consultant, which mm-hmm. is something that I used to do years ago, and then I started doing mm-hmm. again because I thought like. 
because I'm good at it. There's not a lot of things I'll give yeah. myself credit for. I'm good at it. And uh, well, time comes when you have to lay your body on the gears and uh, kinda, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if I can make some money at it, great. <laughs> um, and so I put myself out there and then like, there's a, there's a blog called faith flicks, uh, run by this woman, this, uh, very nice woman named Sharon, uh, Wilharm, who's uh, a pretty solid filmmaker herself actually. Um, and so it's, I just wrote this blog about like, Hey, it doesn't have to be me. Get someone else to read your script, not just you and not someone that loves you. Like get someone else to read your script because they will tell you that people don't talk like this Uh and movies are not structured like this. And your film is not good enough to subvert standard structure. Like plenty of movies, uh, plenty of great movies have an unconventional structure, but they're amazing. Uh And these movies are not that. And so it's, again, like the acting is fine. It's it in the world of Christian film. It is better than what it used to be, but there are good Christian movies out there. There aren't many, but they are out there. And the fact that this one was put out there amongst people that came to my talk and came to me after and said, well, you should check this out. I feel like I'm just, (laughs) just spinning my wheels <laughs> and like, and that like nothing is happening. It's, it's a little bit, it's almost enough to be discouraging. I will be doing a more than one lesson episode about it. That's why I chose to do it with the uh, companion film, uh, tender mercies, which is a, it's not a Christian film, but it is certainly a better film about a uh, singer songwriter. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, 